I wanna talk to you. I wanna talk to you. Just Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And in today's episode, I'm going to go through every series in the NBA playoffs right now, and I'm going to give my early takeaways. I know it's, it's pretty early in the playoffs, and I'm going to say what I see. I'm also going to talk about my early takeaways in the WNBA season. Again, I know we're about a week, a week and a half into the season, but I have some thoughts. I'm also going to talk about Phil Mickelson, Phil Mickelson and his historic win at the PGA Tour. I also have a guest. I'm going to have the Electrified Podcast host, Eric Lyons. We're going to talk some Dante Wilder. We're also going to talk about some uh, Green Bay. And uh, yeah, man, that's what we're doing today. So here's where we'll start. So the NBA playoffs have started, like I said, and... I know it's still early. Some some matchups we've only seen two games. Some matchups we only seen one. But we've pretty much seen a lot in every series. Uh, we've seen why, why one team could win. We've seen why one team could lose. And uh, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. Let's let's. And again, I'm going to go through every. I'm going to go through every series and and give my thoughts. Give my early takeaways. Let's start with the Utah Jazz and Memphis Grizzlies. First and foremost, I want to I want to I have to apologize to the Memphis Grizzlies because if you remember last episode, I didn't give them a shot to beat uh, Golden State, so I thought it was going to be Memphis. I mean, I thought it was going to be Utah and Golden State, but Memphis pulled it off, man. Uh, John Morant went crazy. Um, Dylan Brooks w- w- was has been incredible, but in this series, first and foremost, we saw. The, the situation that's kind of brewing right now between Donovan Mitchell and his training staff as well as the Utah Jazz training staff. The Utah Jazz training staff uh, sat him out for game one, and of course they lost game one. Now, I'm one of the people, I'm one of those people that think sometimes you have to, uh, sometimes you have to save a player from themselves because, I mean, as a basketball player, I know that any chance I get, whether injured or not, I'm going to try to get out there, especially in the playoffs. So now the the the, the rift comes from, well, if, if Donovan Mitchell's training staff said he could play and the team said he couldn't, like, where's the divide there? So I understand that. and But he is cleared to play game two. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, you know, I, I think – I don't think this is going to be a, a – a, let me say this. Here's my early takeaway from this game. Donovan Mitchell is most definitely the MVP for Utah. Even though Rudy Gobert may as well, probably will win the Defensive Player of the Year, Donovan Mitchell is the MVP for this team. Because if you saw Game One, you saw how discombobulated they looked. Man, they, they, they just it, it just didn't look good, man. And Dylan Dylan Brooks was going crazy. Uh, John Morant was going crazy. Valachunas was going crazy. It's like. When the head of the snake, which is Donovan Mitchell, when he is not there, the team just does not look good at all. And I will say this. I understand Donovan Mitchell's coming back from an ankle sprain. And, of course, I don't think he's going to be right back to Donovan Mitchell game one, which I believe is tonight. But I will say this. If Donovan Mitchell does not come back 100%, 
or if he's not at least close to the to the Donovan Mitchell that we're used to seeing, Memphis very well. I mean, yeah, Memphis very well may win this series because of the guard play and because of the play. I mean, Memphis is a scrappy team. Not to mention their bigs. While I wouldn't trust them to be a, a three point shooting team, their bigs can spread and pull Rudy Gobert out from the paint. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., you have Valanciunas. They can pull him out, and that's what they were doing. Even though Valanciunas was in foul trouble and he didn't really shoot any threes, Jaron Jackson was letting them threes go. So I just, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go on a limb and say Memphis is going to beat. Utah in the series. What I will say is this game, too, is very important. Of course, we need to see how Donovan Mitchell plays, but Memphis guards can can very well change the change the course of the series. Shouts out to uh, shouts out to jo- uh, uh, Jordan Clarkson for winning six man of the year. But yeah, man, this 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 game, too, is very important, man, because, again, w- John Morant, as we've seen, can get hot quick. Dylan Brooks has been pretty much the MVP for the Memphis Grizzlies since the play-in. So, if you want, if they get on a roll, and then of course you have Jaron Jackson, you have you have uh, Valanciunas. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Again, I'm not saying they will win. I do think I do think that this game is very important for Utah. So, those are my early takeaways from that series. Let's go Clippers and Dallas. Man, look. <laughs> we really have to have a conversation about just like how how good and how important like it, you know this goes back this goes back to what I said a couple a couple episodes ago between talent and chemistry when you look at the when you look at the Clippers man they have talent galore you have Paul George you have Kawhi Leonard you have Pratt Beverly you have uh, Zubats, you have some good pieces. It's just they do not have any chemistry. And the biggest stat why I think the the Clippers could lose this series, I'm not gonna. I think they'd have the. I think they have two of the three best players in the in the series. So I'm not gonna go on a limb and say they're just gonna lose. But the biggest stat is they are in the bottom five in late game situations. They can't hit. Like, if the game is close, Clippers more than likely are going to lose. That's how they've been since they got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And as we saw, they blew the game the first game. And they it's, it's just, look, yes, Kawhi Leonard is a good player. He is, he's a good defender. But Luka is giving these people the work. So, it's just, while, yes, that and I said that before. I said the reason why the Clippers could lose. I'm not saying they will lose the series, but could lose in general is because they can't perform late game. If the game is close, just give it to the other team because the the Clippers just. I don't know if the whole team tightens up. I don't know what it is, but they cannot hit a shot to save their life. It just it just doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't make sense. But game three is hella important, man. It's hella important because again. The the last thing you want to do is lose in the first round if you're the Clippers, especially after you saw what happened last year, blowing a 3-1 lead to Denver. You were supposed to beat Denver. You're supposed to beat Dallas. If you lose 
to these players. If you lose before you get to the conference finals, uh, like you did last year, and if you lose in the first round to Dallas when you have the better team, I, I let me say this now. Do not expect Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to be there next year if they lose the series. I promise you. I'm not saying they're going to trade both. One of them is going to go. There's, there's no way that you can build up this team to be the Laker stopper. Uh, you know, the, the team that's finally going to conquer the Lakers, the team that's finally going to get a championship appearance for the Clippers, the team that's finally, finally going to get a championship for the Clippers. There's no way that you can hype that up. Bring on Paul George, bring on Kawhi Leonard, especially how much Paul George costed as terms of players and contracts. And then you lose in the second round first year. And now, of course, we're giving the we're going to give the excuse that it was the bubble and half the people in the bubble didn't want to be there. Cool. You lose to the Clippers. I mean, no, you lose to Denver in the second round. Then the year after when we're saying, you know, this is the year that they get it together. You lose in the first round. I'm not saying they will, but if that happens, trust and believe, either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, one of them is gone. I promise you that. Let's go to Denver and Portland. To me, this is a contrast in teams. You have now you're starting to see you're starting to see the 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 effects of Jamal Murray not being there, but not not in the sense of what you think. Now, Jamal Murray, as we know, is not a defender at all. So what what Portland is doing as far as scoring, I think that they do regardless. The thing that Jamal Murray does is he he's, he's able while he can't score as good as Damian Lillard. He's able to keep pace with a CJ McCollum as far as in scoring. So the the scoring onus, you don't really have to put it on Michael Porter Jr. You don't really have to put it on Morris. You don't really have to put it on Capazzo because you have a Jamal Murray. Without Jamal Murray, now you have Jokic playing big minutes. Now, of course, Jokic more than likely is going to win the MVP, but you have Jokic playing big minutes. You have Michael Porter Jr.'s buckets are more important than they've ever been. And let me talk about let me talk about Portland for a second. <laughs> Portland has had the same problem since their since their origin, since their birth. Portland has always had offensive players. I tweeted this the other day. I think I tweeted yeah, I tweeted this the other day. Portland has always had a great offensive player. They've always had Clyde Drexler. They've always had Terry Porter. They've always had uh, Brandon Roy, um, Lamarcus Aldridge. Damian Lillard now, they've always had a a transcendent scoring player. Terry Porter's not a transcendent scoring player, I'm just saying, but Clyde Drexler is. Yet and still, they've never been able to solve their defensive t- defensive problems. The best defensive team I can remember was when they had Nicholas Batoon and, and, and my, uh, Wesley Matthews. Other than that, they haven't really they've never really had a defensive team and they lose the same way every single year. They score a lot of points. They're 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 really good as far as offensively, but they can't stop anybody. And that's what we're seeing with now look, I understand they won game one, and that was because Dame Little went crazy. The you know, the quickness and the speed of Portland just caught just got too much for, for Denver. But game two, Denver settled down. They really went through Jokic. Uh the, the guards kind of slowed down, even though Dane went crazy in the second quarter. 
this is a contrast of two teams, man. You have Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. going really going up against, uh, and and you saw Paul 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 Millsap who haven't hasn't really been good in the, in, the, in, the, in a year or so. They've been really they were really good, and then you had Damon Damon CJ, and that's how, usually how it is. Like, yeah, you have uh you have Yerkage, yeah, you have Enos Cantor, yeah, you have Melo, yeah, you have Robert Covington, but none of those players, at least their point at least this point in their career are dependable enough where you can yet yeah, not to mention Mello was really big the first game but the second game he kind of disappeared so you're really seeing a contrast of two teams you're seeing a great a great backcourt like you always see in Damon CJ and then you're seeing the MVP more than likely in Jokic with Michael Porter Jr. picking up the the offensive slack I mean Jokic had about 38 eight and something the other day like I, come on now. I now I'm not saying. I'll say this. Oh man, I think Portland can win this series. I think Portland can win this series because they. I, I, I'm. I'm. If you if you if you if you're telling me that Capazzo and Morris has to stop C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, I'm gonna say yeah, you tripping. You're tripping. But then again, on the other side, like I said, this 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 series is 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 hard to hard to match up because again, you have the tale of two tale of like one one. It's the thing. The thing is about and here's the thing about both teams, and this is why I was talking about offense and stuff. Here's the thing about both teams, and we saw this from from the first game and the second game. Portland can go. They can score with the best one, but they their defense can get them in so many problems, which it did game two. And if their if their defense gets them in problems and their scoring slows down, well, the game's busted wide open, which happened in game two. In Denver, their scoring can keep them in it, but their guards are not the same. Their their team does not run at the same speed with Jamal Murray being out. As a Portland, so Portland can run up and down, and of course, if you have Melo hitting, Dame hitting, CJ hitting, uh, Enos Cantor getting rebounds and hitting, Jokic uh, getting, you know, putting the body on Nikola Jokic, that kind of slows them down. So I'm not, I'm not gonna go as far and say Denver's gonna lose this series. I'm not gonna go as far and say as, as Portland's gonna lose. I'm just gonna say, to me, this is probably one of the most evenly matched teams because. Both or evenly matched series because both teams, their their skilled positions are are the other team's weakness. As far as Portland's skilled positions is the point guard. I mean the guards. You have Dame and CJ. You had the 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 bigs are the skilled position for Port for Denver. You have Jokic. You have Aaron Gordon. You have uh, Michael Porter Jr. So. You know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But but I do think that this is going to be a very exciting series. I just hate that it. Right, these games come on at ten o'clock every night, and that that sucks, especially in the East Coast, man. Come on, bro. But I think that's gonna be a good series. You have Phoenix and you have L.A. Now, calm down. We have to have a serious conversation. Let me not say this. We have to have a conversation about Anthony Davis. I'm not saying that the Lakers are are, are gonna lose the series. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying De'Aaron. Let me say this. We have to have a serious conversation about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has not looked right since he's come back from injury. Now, he's had sprinkles there. He's had 
He's had some really good games, but he hasn't been the consistent Anthony Davis that the Lakers need him to be. Not to mention the fact that LeBron James is not 100%, and he's he's even come out and say he's not 100%. So this isn't me just saying, oh, yeah, LeBron's not 100 No, LeBron James has come out and said he's not 100%. So I'm not saying Phoenix can lose this series, but there is a reason why Phoenix is the second overall seed and the Lakers are the seventh. Phoenix has been incredible defensively this whole year. They've been incredible offensively. DeAndre Aiden, and, and, and here's the problem that the thing that kind of had a knock for them going into the series is their inexperience. I think Jay Crowder and Chris Paul were the only ones that really had, and Monty Williams, a coach, were the only ones that had playoff experience. So the fact that the fact that you're going. You have a whole team, and, and some of your best players, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, had no experience in the playoffs, was a problem. However, how they played this 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 playoffs has has been well. These these two games has been incredible. So, I'm not saying Phoenix is going to lose, but I mean going to win. But if they do win, look, the reason why. The reason why people think that Lakers are going to win, and, and I, I'm one of those people, it is because you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis. Like, those are the two best players in the in the series. Now, the problem, though, is Anthony Davis has not played well, um, and LeBron James is still, you know, you can tell just by looking at him, he's not 100%. So... I'm not I'm not going to be a thousand percent surprised if Phoenix wins this series. I don't think they will, but I'm not going to be surprised. Um, now, of course, injuries kind of crept up. We need to see what happens with um, Chris Paul. We need to see if LeBron James is cool. We need to see if Anthony Davis, you know. But do not be surprised if Phoenix wins this series. Again, they were there are two seed for a reason. So that is the Western Conference, man. I think I think. I think out of the Western Conference, the most exciting series so far has been Portland. I'll say Portland and Denver, even though Portland did get blown out in the second game. Dame did have a crazy second second quarter. Jokic had what thirty eight that game. So the the Western Conference has been has been good. Let's move over to the East. You have Philly and Washington. Now look, man, I, I said this before. I don't give Washington. I'm a Washington fan, but I don't give them a shot. And the reason why I don't give them a shot is what we saw game one. Game one, we saw the Wizards do what the Wizards do. You have a quick backcourt in, in Russell Westbrook and Bradley Bill. Quicker backcourt than Ben Simmons and Seth Curry and, of course, Danny Green. However, if they can't keep up scoring-wise or if they can't stop See, the the Wizards' problem is they have so many lapses on defense. There were so many times I've seen Seth Curry. <laughs> Anybody with the last name Curry should never have a wide-open shot. It was so many times I saw Seth Curry have wide-open shots. Danny Green have wide-open shots. Now, Danny Green didn't hit a lot of those wide-open shots, but he did hit more than he missed. There, like, there should be no reason why a team as offensively potent as Philly should continuously have wide open shots. Not to mention the fact that the Wizards turned the ball over so many times. So, I, I what what's happening is what I thought would happen. You know, Philly 
Joel Embiid is going crazy. I mean, Lopez and, and Alex Lynn, which I have no idea why they continue to start Alex Lynn when you have Gafford on the on the bench, but this is what it is. They're imposing their will. And while you can slow down – well, which, what I thought was happening is what was happening. You're putting Ben Simmons on, on Bradley Bill. Well, Bradley Bill, of course, you can't contain that all game because of Bradley Bill's scoring ability, his quickness. You're putting the onus to score on Russell Westbrook, and that's not really, at least, that's not really his forte. Is at least shooting the ball. Of course, he can get layups. Of course, he can get to the get to the basket, but shooting, making him shoot the ball, yeah, no. Nah. So, I, I, I will say this. I think Philly. I mean, I think Washington can get one game. I think they can get one. I think they can get one. I'll say. I'll say a gentleman sweep because more time. I mean, I, I'll give them one. I'll give them one. But this series is playing out. At least the first game is playing out exactly how I thought it would play out. Joel Embiid will dominate. Ben Simmons will slow down Bradley Bill, but he wouldn't stop Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill will go crazy a couple. You know, a couple couple quarters. Russell Westbrook would do some Russell Westbrook things. They lose. So, there's that. Uh, You have New York and Atlanta. Now, this to me has been the most interesting. Now, I understand that, you know, it's only been a game. But watching this series really shows you how important, how much you miss fans being at the games. Now, I understand it's, it's MSG, which is, of course, the famous Madison Square Garden. And of course, they had a vaccinated sign that, or side, and they had an unvaccinated side. So, it, but that that this to me is going to be the most interesting and the 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 most fun uh, uh, series because of who's playing. Of course, you have the Knicks and the, the crowd, and then once you go to Atlanta, and they 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 allow fans as well. Man, oh man, and. The takeaway that I have from this series is you're starting now the playoffs really expose what you're weak at. We just talked about the Clippers and how they cannot score in like they they're not they're not a good crush time score team. Uh the Lakers, we're starting to see outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, Dennis Schroeder has not been good. Montrez Harold really hasn't been good. Uh, the team as a whole has not been good. It's really dependent on at least the series. The 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 playoffs expose what you're not good at. The same thing is what we're seeing for the Knicks and and Atlanta. Atlanta is an incredible offensive team. I mean, you have Trey Young, you have a Hunter, you have Herder. You like they're an incredible scoring team. The problem is they do not and cannot play defense to save their life. They like their best defender is Clint Capella, and that's that's about it. That's as far as the defense stops. The problem with the Knicks is while you have who I believe the best player in the series, uh, Julius Randle, and you have some really good pieces like Derrick Rose, R.J. Barrett, um, Reggie Bullock, they can't really score. And they can go on scoring droughts, and those droughts can be four or five minutes. And as we saw game one, they – let me say this. They can score. They cannot shoot the ball. They're not a good shooting team. Emmanuel Quickly is not a good shooter. Derrick Rose isn't really a reliable shooter. Uh, Reggie Bullock, you know, he he comes and goes. Julius Randle's not a reliable shooter. So this is going to be a really, this to me is going to be the most interesting series because 
if the Knicks are able to knock down their shots, then I, they have a good chance to win because they they're a big team. I mean, they 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 can kind of the the reason why they didn't win is because they couldn't really hit shots, and a lot of the shots that they took were wide open shots. And Julius Randle had probably the worst game he had all all year. But if they cannot make shots, and they, I mean, you're going up against an Atlanta team that one can shoot the lights out, and three and two is a quick team. So I think this is going to be the most interesting series. And this series, like I said, really shows you and really reminds you how important and how good the feel is to have fans. Man, hearing the fans scream at MSG was crazy, man. And I can only imagine what's going to happen when they go to uh, go to Atlanta. So it's you know this this is this is this to me is going to be the f- the most fun series. So yeah, let's go to Milwaukee and, and and Miami. Oh man, now a lot of people are killing Miami right now. First of all, they lost by like thirty. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm surprised. I'm I'm gonna say that this I expected different from Miami now you can look at this as as two things you can look at it as well Milwaukee did what they're supposed to do they were at home they won both games hey it is what it is we're gonna go over I mean now Miami goes home let's go take two games you can look at it like that you can look at it like I said Milwaukee did what they're supposed to do they protected home court then you can look at it as Ooh, Bam Adebayo has not been good this entire season. Oh, the first two games, he's been horrible. Uh, uh, Jimmy Butler, at least scoring-wise, has not been good. Now, I know he hit the the, the bucket to take them to overtime um, the first game, but he has not been good. In fact, Miami has not been good scoring at all. The only person that's been, I guess, consistent has been Duncan Robinson. And... Actually, no, he hasn't because he was good the first game and he really was non-existent the second. So Miami has not been good this entire series. And here's the thing. A lot of people are saying what's different this year as far as because, as we know, Miami beat Miami beat uh, Milwaukee in the bubble. Two things. One, Giannis, Giannis got hurt. I, I don't know if you remember that, but Giannis got hurt in the bubble. I think he missed the final two games. And. Drew people do not people does not understand how important Drew Holiday is for this team. How important Drew Holiday is as far as a glue guy. Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the league, and you're starting to see it. Uh, like, come on, man! It's it's. I'm not gonna say what I'm saying is this. Getting Drew Holiday has been has, was incredibly important. Getting PJ Tucker was incredibly important. It, 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 I'm, and 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 Drew Holiday and PJ are so much better than Eric Bledsoe. It's just, you know, it's it's this is what you're getting, and and I I don't think at least after watching the first two games, if Miami does not pick it up offensively, which I kind of don't know if they they can. Tyler Tyler Hero has not had a good good year. Um, Duncan Robinson has been spotty. We know Jimmy Butler's not. He can go off for like a forty pointer, but he's not really the offensive score. Bam Adebayo hasn't been good this entire series. If they do not, and Gordon Dragic, I don't think can carry you offensively. If they don't really pick their offense up, this this 
I mean, but you're and the, the tough part about that is you're going against a defensively solid team. You have a two-time defensive well, you have a defensive player of the year in in Giannis. You have PJ Tucker. You have Drew Holiday. You have um, Pat Connington. You have DiVincenzo. Like it's going to be tough, man. I I don't I don't see. I think. Game three is the most important game in this series. Whoever wins game three is winning this series. Like, honestly, even if, and let me not say that. Yeah, I'm not going to say whoever wins game three wins the series, but I will say game three is the most important game of this series. So, but this has been a fun series. You're seeing, you're seeing Giannis just be Giannis. Now, I do think that Bam Adebayo needs to guard Giannis more, but Bam hasn't been good this this series at least offensively so i don't i don't i don't know what's i don't know what's gonna happen but this has been a good series even though it was a, a horrible blowout shouts out to uh bryn far forbes man for almost having a shirt game so last game and we'll move over to brooklyn and boston we look we really didn't have to have a conversation about uh about crumble walker um Kimball Walker, let me say this. Kimball Walker is is not better than Kyrie Irving. He's not better than James Harden. He's most definitely not better than uh, Kevin Durant. But the Celtics brought Kimball Walker on to be the best player on the team. That's why they brought him on. They brought him on to be the best player. They didn't expect Jason Tatum to emerge as fast as he has, but he's done it. So now they need him to be the second best player. When you're as, I mean, I think he's shooting like 34% from the field. When you're as inconsistent as you've been, that's the reason. Look, there's no way in heaven or hell they can beat Brooklyn. When when their best, their second best player, which was which is Jalen Brown, he's out. And your center is Tristan Thompson. There's no way you're going to beat them. Especially when your best player, okay, so your best player is Jason Tatum. So let's just say, I don't believe so, but let's just say Jason Tatum can neutralize Kevin Durant. I don't I don't think it's going to happen, but let's just say that. You have nobody. Marcus Smart is not doing anything with, with James Harden. Marcus Smart is not doing anything with Kyrie Irving. So that means you have, who is Kim going to guard? If you got Kim on Kyrie, that's, uh, that's, that's barbecue chicken. If you have... If you have Kimball Walker on James Harden, that's barbecue chicken plus plus a Capri Sun. Like it's it's not gonna happen. So we really need like is has this Kimball Walker experience experiment been a failure? Because he has not stepped up like the Kim. Now again, there, he has flashes. There are games. There have been you know. There, there have been games and he's been good. There have been stretches in the regular season, but you need Kimba to step up big now. And this will be the second year in a row where he doesn't step up because he didn't step up in the bubble. Yeah, he had a couple good games, but he didn't step up in the bubble. So I, I think this, I mean, Brooklyn is going to win this series easy because now not to mention there's a reason why Boston's a seventh seed as well. Boston did not have a good regular season. You can say it was due to injury. You can say players didn't stepped up, but like Brooklyn is going to win this series easily, in my opinion. And we saw the first two games. Like, come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. I will say this. I will say this. I like the questions were at least with Brooklyn. 
can they can the big three as in Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, can they develop chemistry in the play in the playoffs? And it looks like they're able to do that. Now, the biggest problem is still a problem, which is they can't stop anybody from going to the rim. They can't really slow down. If you have a dominant big man, they they're gonna have a tough time. Or a dom yeah, a dominant big man, they're gonna have a tough time. The problem is how or the good thing that is is you don't have to you're not facing that round one. The the all you have to do is really stop Jason Tatum and you're good. Now, of course, once you get onto later rounds, if they have to go against a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo, or if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which I believe they will, and you have to go up against a a, a Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, then you have some situations that you have to worry about. But right now you I think this is a really good matchup for them as far as the first round because you don't really have to worry about them. Of course, you could lose a game, but you don't really have to worry about your biggest problems until you have to worry about it. Now, this series is more about getting familiar with, you know, KD getting familiar with how James Harden plays, uh, Kyrie, you know, get it, building that chemistry. So I think that they, they, they pretty much drew lucky on that first round. And, uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I just think. Look, a couple more takeaways I have. Uh, Bam out of bio, man. Bam out of bio. He needs to be better. If he is not better, Miami will lose. And I'm not saying he's the best player on the team, but I'm saying is if Bam out of bio was not better, it's over with. It's over with. It's over with. <laughs> like, um, yeah, man. So the MV that's that's the, the MVPs of the series. You have Utah and let me go back. Now I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you the MVP of each series and who you know who can turn around, blah blah blah. Utah, Memphis, the MVP is Donovan Mitchell. If Donovan Mitchell's there, I don't I don't I mean, as we saw, they Memphis has a tough Memphis will have a tough time, in my opinion, because the, the head of the snake is back. And if he's not there, yeah, no, I, I think Memphis has a really good shot in winning because the guards just can't can't keep up with the quickness and the scoring of Memphis guards. The the Clippers, Clippers Dallas series, the MVP in that one to me is going to be Luca. Uh, as we saw, Luca torched him the first game, torched the second. Like you know, it it's it's really if if Kawhi Leonard and 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 the Clippers. Can slow down Luca. You won. If if not, you lost. The MVP for the Denver series is the MVP, which is Nikola Jokic. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, you have Dame, but Denver only gonna go as far, especially with Jamal Murray being out. Only gonna go as far as Jokic takes them. So that's MVP in that series. Of course, the MVP for the Lakers. Actually, let me say the MVP for the Lakers and Phoenix is Anthony Davis. Of course, we know how good LeBron James is, but. Even if LeBron is at 100%, if Anthony Davis is not at 100%, that can really sway this series. Seeing as though you can throw a lot of by that LeBron James, which you saw them do. So, Anthony Davis is the MVP of that season series. The MVP of the Philly series is Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid, you can throw Bertans at him. You can throw Robin Lopez. You can throw Gavard. You can throw uh, Alex Lynn. They don't have anybody that can slow down. Um, Joel Embiid, the MVP for the Knicks Atlanta series. I'm gonna say Julius Randle. 
the reason why they they lost the first game is because Julius Randle had probably the worst shooting game of his life. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I think if, if Julius Randle's knocking down shots and playing like the most improved player that I think he's going to win, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think, I think, Phil, I think New York. Because New York is a bigger team and they play better defense. And I think that they're better coached, even though I do like Nate McMillan. The MVP of that series is going to be uh, Julius Randle. Yeah, uh, the MVP of Milwaukee and Miami, to me, is going to have to be Bam. I mean, the MVP from Milwaukee, of course, is Giannis. No, I'm going to say Drew Holiday because I think Drew Holiday is is the glue that they've been looking for for the past few years. But it's going to have to be Bam for Miami or they're going to lose this series. If Bam does not improve defensively guarding Giannis and does not improve offensively, and actually hit his shots, they have no shot. And the MVP for Brooklyn and Brooklyn and Boston, for Brooklyn, is I mean, it's going to be James Harden. You, you know what Kevin Durant's going to do. You know what Kyrie's going to do. It's going to be James Harden. And because I don't think Brook, I don't think Boston has anyone that can really slow down James. And and they don't really have anyone that can slow down KD either. But And, of course, Boston, to me, is going to be Kimba. If Kimba does not improve, they have absolutely no shot. And then they're going to have to really look themselves in the mirror and say, is Kimba the right person for the position? So there's that. Those those have been my early takeaways from the 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 NBA playoffs. Uh, I'm excited. You know, I love NBA. NBA is my favorite. Well, basketball is my favorite sport. And I love the NBA. So, you know, it's it's fun. It's fun. And I'm excited. You know, I'm watching basketball all every, every night. And, of course, and we're going to move on from here. I'm also watching the WNBA a lot. I know that I think we're about a week and a half in, and I have some takeaways as well. There is some takeaways. First and foremost, you're really st- for the for the WNBA, the WNBA you've had a lot of close games and you're a lot of people don't, you know, put don't put respect on the WNBA name even though they've had some incredible and they have some incredible players on some incredible teams. So I think that, you know, I understand that the NBA playoffs is going on right now, so you might not get the viewership that you want, but we really need to start putting some respect on the WNBA name because they, I mean, year year after year they they improve their their content improves. The players improve, how they market even though I do think they need to do a lot better, a bigger better job, a bigger better. <laughs> I think they do a lot better job. What in the world? <laughs> they have to do a much better job at marketing because I, I don't think their marketing is, is where it's at. Yeah, I think the, the orange hoodies was, was great, sending people the orange hoodies, but what are you going to do after that? And, and, and I know the, the social justice marketing is really good, but how are you going to market the product, which is the WNBA? So I do think they need to, to, to be better at that. But there have been some takeaways from, the from I know it's early in the season, but there have been some takeaways. And one takeaway is you're starting, you're seeing injuries, uh, at least lingering injuries, really affect teams. I mean, if you look at the Washington Mystics, they can't score to save their life outside of Tina Charles. And I think that's because, like I said, you're missing Elena Deladon, who, in my opinion, is like the second or third best player in WNBA. Uh, the 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 Minnesota Lynx, they're missing what? What's her name? Um, Collier, like like. It's, and she was a she's a reigning rookie of the year or a, a former rookie of the year. It's like 
you're starting to see teams that are affected by injury. I mean, Chicago Sky, Candace Parker, she was really good the first game. She's missed a couple times. She's missed some games with an ankle injury. So, you know, injuries, not saying injuries are really saying this year, but, you know, injuries are really, really, really have affected, especially injuries that's lasted from last year, have affected the season. All right, like I said, Tina Charles has been incredible. I think Tina Charles is averaging like 25 points, but the 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 Washington Mystics I think is only averaging I think they're they're tied with second as in the least amount of points scored with like 76 a game. And this is again, I think it's going to change with I mean they're one in 3. I think it's going to change with or one in 4. I think they're going to change when you get, you know, Elena Deladon back, but you need Elena Deladon back. Another takeaway that I have um, I've noticed is when you look at the teams, you look at the Eastern Conference, you look at the Western Conference. Of course, when you look when you when you look at the teams, you have Seattle, you have the Aces, you have Mercury, you have the Sparks, you have the Lynx. You would automatically think just just hearing those teams at the Western Conference, and, and let me say the Western Conference has been better than the Eastern Conference for a while now. And I understand that what two years ago the 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 Washington Mystics won the championship. But outside of that, you know, Seattle's been good. The Aces made it to the made it to the. Uh, WNBA Finals last year. Of course, you have the Mercury with Diana Taurasi and, and Brittany Griner and Skylar Diggins. You have you have the Dallas Wings, which which has the, like all the rookies on the team. The Sparks, then the Bumake sisters. I think Shanae is averaging like eleven points. Uh, the Bumake, she's averaging like eighteen. And the Lynx, of course, Sylvia Fowles has been going crazy. It's just, but when you look at the stand, when you look at the standing in the records, outside of Seattle, which is three and one, the Eastern Conference has been better. At least this, the start of the season, the Eastern Conference has been better. The Connecticut Sun is five and zero. Oh. The New York Liberty is five and one. Uh, Chicago Sky is is two and one. So, I think that this is the first year in a while. Well, I think that you can kind of declare, at least the early season, that this could be. You know, this this is looking like the, the Eastern Conference could could be the, the superior the superior um um conference. You know what I mean? Like again, I understand that the Western Conference, you know, the Lynx are dealing first of all, you're bringing back Sylvia Fowles because she missed all last year, even though she's going crazy. You know, you have to integrate that. The Sparks, I mean the Sparks just have a tough – I mean, the Sparks, I think, are dead last in scoring. Yeah, they only average 70 points a game. Uh, the the Dallas Wings, yeah, they I think they lead the, – or they're, they're second in the league in scoring at 91 points a game, but they can't stop anyone to say they life. Now, again, I know that's youth, and they have a lot of, of rookies and stuff, so – but I, I, you know, I, I think when you're looking at it, Connecticut Sun, Dewana, uh, Dewana Bonner's been incredible. Jaquel Jones has been incredible. Uh, what's up, the the New York Liberty, and that's kind of my that's kind of another takeaway is some of the newbie, some of the newcomers on the teams have been incredible. Like I said, I, I understand she came last year, but Tina Charles, now last year she was hurt, so she didn't play. But Tina Charles has been incredible for Washington. Like when when we look at Tina Charles, 
people forget how good she was for the New York Liberty because one, she was playing for a New York Liberty team, which wasn't really the best. Two, she was injured all last year. So now she's coming back. Tina Charles at one point was arguably the best player in WNBA. And now that you're pairing her when she comes back to Elaine Deladon, I th- I, while the, the Washington Mystics are one in three, I think that they're going to get the, back together once you get um, Anela Deladon. But when you look at the New York Liberty, the New York Liberty have been incredible. Sabrina Adescu has been good. Um, uh, Benasia, I think that's her name. Yeah, Benasia Laney has been incredible. I think she could be, she could, she could have a, she has a chance. Now, of course, when you look at the the, the, the standings and you look at everything, Benasia, Benasia, or Benasia, something like that. Benasia Laney, I apologize if I messed her name up. She has a chance to to definitely be in the MVP conversation. Her, Tina Charles, uh, Brianna Stewart, Dewana Bonner can be in there. They, you know, they there's they definitely have a shot because of how good. I didn't think the new. I knew the New York Liberty when I did my um top ten WNBA teams. I knew the New York Liberty was going to be good. I, I think I put them tenth, but I didn't think they were going to be this good. I didn't think Sabrina Inescu and Laney was going to be this good, and. I didn't think Connecticut Sun were going to be this good. I, again, I knew I had them in my top 10, but Dewana Bonner has has come with a fear. I think she's averaging like 18 a game. Uh, Jaquel Jones, you know, <laughs> it's the Atlanta dream, even though even though they're, what, one and two, they, they look good. I, I will say this, though. And again, I know it's early, but the rookies aren't really looking. Let me say, the rookies are looking like rookies. <laughs> uh Ari McDonald, she she hasn't really looked good. Um, Dana Evans hasn't really looked good. So, you know, I I know that um, I know that uh, what's what's her name? What's her name? I know that Charlie uh, Collier, she's averaging what six and and five. But the rookies again, I, as I understand, it, it takes a minute for rookies to 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 adjust. So. I, again, and I also know it was early in the season. I mean, again, it's only been like a week and a half, two weeks since the season started. So, yeah, man. So, I'm not expecting them to just be like LeBron coming off like first game, get freaking 30. So, but but I, I have been excited watching the WNBA, man. The WNBA has been really good, man. And, and while I wish my Mystics would be a little better. I mean, like I said, they only average 76 points, but they give up 81. I'm excited to see when a Lady Deladon comes back. I want to see when uh I want to see when for the for the for the Minnesota Lynx, I want to see when uh what's her name? The uh I forgot her name. Collier comes back. Uh Dangerfield has been pretty good. Michaela McBride has been really good. She's another person where I can say she could be the best, better newcomer. Kayla McBride and 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 Ben Benazia Laney from the 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 New York Liberty. They both been really good. So you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited. I'm excited to continue to watch the regular season. Right now, it's looking like Connecticut Sun is just the best team. <laughs> Connecticut Sun and, and New York Liberty to me are just like one and two at this point of course you can throw in seattle because brianna stewart i think she averaged like 25 points a game she's been going crazy as well but and of course don't 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 sleep on the links you have asia wilson uh lish cam beige 
while Kelsey Plum hasn't really been that good. Uh, she's, I mean, again, it's early in the season. So, yeah, man, I'm excited to see what the what the WNBA continues to bring. So, let's move forward. Congratulations to Phil Mickelson. He became the oldest player in, to win a PGA Tour championship at 50. You know, when we talk about some of the greatest of all time, when we talk about history, what to me makes you an all-time great player? When we talk about let's let's go over to 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 NBA NFL. You to me to be an all-time player. Now there have been incredibly good players, um, but there's a difference between incredibly good and all-time. When we look, let's let's look at today's landscape. Let's look at NFL. To me, you can't argue that Patrick Mahomes is not an all-time player, even though he's still early in his career. Patrick Mahomes can is an all-time player. You cannot speak about the history of the league. You cannot speak about the NFL in general and Patrick Mahomes' name not come up. Tom Brady, all-time player, uh, of course, could be the GOAT. Um, Drew Brees, all-time player. Aaron Rodgers, all-time player. Uh, Patrick Mayfield, good player. Um, Phillip Rivers, really good player, but not an all-timer. Basketball, you have LeBron, all-time. KD, all-time. Steph, all-time. CJ McCollum, really good player, not all-time. Bradley Beal, at least right now, really good player, not all-time. When we talk about golf, to me, Philip Mickelson is a all-time player. When you look, you can't speak about the history of golf without talking about uh, Tiger Woods, without talking about um, Arnold Palmer without talking about Phil Mickelson. If you do, you're doing an incredible disservice to whoever you're talking to golf about. Philip Mickelson, again, man, the thing that makes this win even bigger is going into the this championship, he wasn't even ranked in the top 100 in golfers. Now, of course, he's 50 years old. His prime years are definitely behind him or in front of him. No, behind him. But... He, you know, he was, he was just going through the motions, man. Like he was, he was out there to have fun. I don't think, now I know they said like the night before he told his family he's going to win it, but going in, I mean, nobody, he was not ranked in the top 100. So he was just there. And the fact that from being ranked outside of the top 100 and being 50 years old to then winning at all, you know, you got to, you got to tip your hat, man. No, a lot of people a lot of another reason why you have to you can't say Philip Mickelson's name uh you can't talk about golf and the history of golf without saying Philip Mickelson's name is because a lot of people hated Philip Mickelson because of his rivalry and his back and forth with Tiger Woods in the in the later years of of Tiger's you know illustrious career like it was either it was really either Philip or Tiger. Philip or Tiger. Now I know Roy McIlroy was in there a little bit, but it was really Philip or Tiger. Philip or Tiger, and you know it's it's just it's that's how great he's been. You know he's been incredible, and yeah, shouts out to Philip Mickelson, man. Philip, it's well deserved. I don't I don't know if he'll win again, but again, I I didn't think he was gonna win now, so. 
Hey, shouts out to him, man. Shouts out to Philip Mickelson. I for being the oldest player to win a PGA championship, which is at fifty years old. So shouts out to you, man. Let's move forward. So I told you guys that I, I was gonna bring on a guest. I was gonna bring on Eric Lyons, who is the host of the Electrified Podcast. And he knows so much about boxing. He's been watching boxing since he was a kid. And he also knows so much about the Packers because he's, he's a, for some reason, he's a dire Packers fan, even though I think he's from Baltimore. <laughs> and what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring him on and talk about the Dante Wilder and Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua situation because I think he would know a lot more than me. And, of course, we'll chop it up about what Aaron Rodgers is going on or what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. So I thought, again – his 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 podcast and everything will be in the description below. But I thought this would be the perfect episode to bring on Eric Lyons, which again is the host of the Electrified Podcast. Without further ado, here's my conversation with me and Eric. So I do want to I do want to thank you, of course, for being on. Uh, so here's the thing. Here's my problem with the boxing in general. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. How is it that you've been slating? First of all, we all know what happened with Don, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury the first time, the draw the second time. Wilder got his ass whooped. It, it just, now, how is it that you, you can slate and you can promote this Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight and all of a sudden say, hold up, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do a, a fight that while people do want to see, You've been hyping up Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. So now it's just like, uh, I mean, right. like why? You know what I mean? So so what is your what is your opinion? How do you feel about, first of all, the Tyson and Fury, uh, I guess, trilogy? Okay, so I don't have a problem with, with the trilogy. A lot of boxing fans do. I don't personally. Most of the problems are coming from the UK fans. They hate this, and I don't know why. They hate this because they're scared that Wilder's going to knock Fury out this time. Let me tell you something. So the way I look at it is Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn, you know, it's all about promoters when it comes to boxing. And you look at Tyson Fury and Bob Arum. I personally think that Tyson Fury and Bob Arum had a strong feeling that the Wilder fight was going to have to happen because the arbitrator was going to rule in Wilder's favor. Mm-hmm. Don't know why they used Anthony Joshua's name so much and why they acted like this fight was going to happen. Bro, they gave us a date. They gave us uh, a yeah. location. They, they, they put out uh, graphics and every yeah. promotions with nothing signed. There were no contracts signed. I didn't know that. Okay. There was nothing on paper. So that's why I never believed it. Three weeks, like last month, I want to say the end of April, Tyson Fury and Bob Arum flew to Vegas. What did they fly to Vegas for? If the fight's supposed to be Saudi Arabia, what y'all doing in Vegas? Y'all was going there to get the site deal done for the Raiders stadium. Man, I see it all, man. It's all smoke and mirrors, man. It's all smoke and mirrors, bro. So do you think so this isn't the first time this happened, Clay? Mm-hmm. They're they're promoting another fight, but in the back end, you know mm-hmm. something else gonna happen. Do you think with there being, you know, showtime and with there being a whole bunch of promoters and top rank, do you think that boxing boxing can never be quote unquote unified as no. far as no. Uh, no. Why, why why do you think that? We you, you got like you said, you got top rank. You got premier boxing champions. You got the zone now, Matchroom. There's so much going on. It's it's a monopoly on boxing. 
It's not like the UFC or like Bellator or something like that when everybody's under one umbrella. When you look at boxing, it's like so many different umbrellas. That's why you got guys like Terrence Crawford at top rank can't get a fight with Errol Spence. Yeah. Or, or you know, you got a guy like um, like Canelo. See, Canelo's a free agent. See, mm-hmm. he got away from Gold War. He can do whatever he wants. But everybody don't have that freedom. You know what I mean? So it's just a monopoly on boxing. Like, I look at it like WWE, you got Raw and SmackDown. At least we know where everybody is. With, yeah. with boxing, it's so much going on, man. It's so hard to make these fights because the interpromotional money, promoters, and just politics in general is it's bad. It's bad you, for the sport. You, you talked about, and I agree. I agree. I, I feel that even though I feel boxing could potentially make a ton of money mm-hmm. if it was all under one umbrella, mm-hmm. but then you have to think who's going to be holding that umbrella. So mm-hmm. I get that. You talked about Crawford, you talked about Spence and how sometimes some of the big names at the moment don't fight each other. Mm-hmm. Do you think that ultimately hurts boxing as far as, because now I remember we saw Terrence Crawford fight, uh, the last fight, and we were just like, I mean, he's good, but he hasn't boxed, bing, 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 and that's due to promotion mm-hmm. or, or what was camping on. Do you feel like at the end of the day, because boxing may not be under one umbrella, it, it ultimately hurts boxing. Absolutely. I mean, we're not we're not getting the fights that we want to see. Um, we're not we're not we're not seeing the superstars fight the superstars. Then you get into deeper than that. Even outside of promotions, you got to look at the the belt uh, commissions. You got the WBO, the WBA, the WBC, the IBF. And they can order fights. Like, they can order you a mandatory challenger without, that's out of your control. It's so much, like, I want to say, like, red tape. It's, we can't get the fights we want. So you look at Crawford and Spence. When it comes to them, you got Crawford at top rank. You got Spence at PBC. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the money was never right between them. Yeah. And it's just like, we can't even unify a division because the fighters want it. But it's the promoters and the people behind the scenes who are making the fight not happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's just hard. It, it's hurting boxing for sure because we're not, not getting the fights we want, and we end up getting fights like you know warm up a lot of tune up fights that are ending fast or just look like the champion is overmatched overmatching the uh, challenger. And it's just like that's not good for sport. Yeah. So so we talk about you know we're talking about boxing and everything, and I do appreciate you coming on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Lyons, the 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 host of Electrified Podcast. Um, who was the face of boxing? You know, we Canelo talked about Alvarez. Canelo no? Alvarez. Canelo even, Alvarez. Even though a lot of pe- I I do hear a lot of people say, well, because he's on the zone, mm-hmm. he doesn't play, he doesn't fight. I guess quote unquote top top rank. Mm-hmm. But you you'll say Canelo. Let me tell you something right now, man. People can say whatever they want about Canelo Alvarez. They can say they can they can say he don't fight. Who no? Let me tell you something. Canelo Alvarez was on Golden Boy and got away from Golden Boy so he could fight who he wants. Canelo Alvarez is a multiple division time, multiple division champion. His resume, his current resume, nobody else in boxing right now outside of Floyd, no current boxer has his resume. His only loss is to Floyd. When your only loss is to arguably the greatest boxer of all time, yeah. you're doing pretty well. He's beating Miguel Cotto. He's beating Sugar Shane Mosley. And these were young. He was tw- he was young when he was fighting the big guys in the sport. So now you look, he's beating guys from the past. 
the present. And now what he's doing, he's just collecting belts. It's not his fault that he's at, um, where is he at right now? 168? Yeah. Yeah, it's not his fault that he's there. And you got guys at 154 calling him out. All they want is a payday, bro. He said it. All y'all want is a payday. It's one belt left at 168. And that's Caleb Plant. If he becomes the undisputed champion at 168, I don't see where the argument is. This man has gotten belts at 147, 154, 160, 168, and 175. Come on. At 30 years old, he's only 30. Come on. All right. So before we before we kind of get off this, I do want to conclude the Tyson Fury and, and uh, Deontay Wilder. Who do you think is going to win the third round and why? Let me tell you. Deontay Wilder, he, you know, he hasn't fought since that fight. He switched up his team. I've been watching his training videos. Even at 35 years old, it's never too late to learn. Like I said, Deontay Wilder, all he needed to do was work on his footwork and controlling that chaos. Don't come out and throw the bombs early. No, yeah, was, learn how to set, set the bombs up. Yeah. Because if you timed them at the right time, it's night-night for Tyson Fury. And I think that Tyson Fury knows that. And that's why he was trying to get the AJ fight. Because honestly, that's a, that's an easier fight. But fighting somebody that you fought twice already and that's making adjustments, that knows you well, yeah. So I'm taking Wilder, man, with a knockout. It's, 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 it's funny you said that, man. Uh, that Tyson, well, uh, Deontay Wilder is a, well, Anthony Joshua is an easier fight than Deontay Wilder. Because I'm hearing a lot of people say, He's actually running from the harder fight because of how technically sound Anthony Joshua is. And of course, and, and I guess it's it's recency bias because the last time we saw Wilder, he was going crazy. And right. of course, we know about the, the whole wardrobe thing. And so you what you you feel that Wilder is a tougher fight than Anthony Joshua right mm-hmm. now? Let me tell you something. Anthony Joshua is not a fighter. Anthony Joshua is somebody who was just in the gym at the right place at the right time. He's just an athletic dude who happens to box. Let me tell you something. After the Andy Ruiz fight, which I knew he was going to lose, I felt it. I felt it in my spirit. I said, yo, this little fat man going to beat this dude. And he did. After that, it's just like I haven't seen him, even though he you know, got his avenge that loss, I haven't seen him have that same energy he had when he beat Klitschko. I don't think he has... I just think that Fury would outbox him easily. I think that's the easier fight. I don't think he has enough. I don't think he has more power than Wilder. I don't. I think he's more predictable than Wilder. I think that right now Wilder is a wild card because nobody knows what we're going to get in this third fight. Being as though he switched his team up, so yeah, that's why I think Wilder's a hard fight right now. So you can hear, you can hear in your in how you talk about boxing that you it's been in your blood for a while. Oh, yeah. You know, you, I remember I watched a couple of your episodes, which is great, by the way, and you were saying you pretty much grew up on boxing. Yeah. Um, with that being said, looking at the, looking at the whole totality of boxing, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to go over to the Logan Paul and, and Floyd Mayweather fight. You hear, I talked about this on my podcast, and of course, it, it's different coming from somebody that, you know, watches boxing and kind of lives boxing for a living. Do you feel like fights like Jake Paul and, and Logan Paul and Floyd, do you think that that's good for boxing? Um, since this, the YouTube era, you know, the, the, this era has started, I've always said it's, it's bad for the sport. It's bad for the sport because that's not real boxing. It's not real boxing. 
And, you know, these guys are actually fighting on real promotions. Like, this is a Showtime fight. Like, he has a Showtime deal. And, all right, it's okay. We got YouTubers fighting YouTubers. Okay. Then we got YouTubers fighting NBA stars. Then we got YouTubers fighting UFC stars. It's nuts, bro. It's all it is, it's entertainment. And I think as a, as a hardcore boxing fan, I can separate the two. I know what real boxing is, and I know what this is. This is a sideshow. This is entertainment. But casual boxing fans, the lines blur for them. So they're looking at Floyd like, yo, what are you doing? This is bad. But all this is is a bag for him. Three years ago when he fought McGregor, that was the biggest thing in the world at that time. Because hypothetically, from they were the best of both, both worlds at that time, and that was a hypothetical fight that everybody wanted to see, right? But then you look at, the, I call this the exhibition era that we're in right now, because that's all it is. You got Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. Holyfield is trying to fight. Oscar De La Hoya, who I think is playing with his nose again, wants to fight. All these old guys are coming out of nowhere to have exhibitions, even Miguel Cotto. So it's the exhibition era, and I think that it's not just on Floyd. I think that's where people go wrong. Floyd did this three years ago, and after that, everybody's been trying to chase the bag that he got in that fight. Floyd's been a blueprint for everything all the time. So I'm not mad at Floyd for getting a quick bag, but it is what it is. It's entertainment. It's not real boxing. And on top of that, on that card, we got Jared Hurd, and um, he's boxing, and Badu Jack and John Pascal. So it's two real boxing matches on this card. So real boxing will be displayed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of feel how you feel. I think, and I said this on my my, uh, podcast, you can look at this in two different realms. Mm. The hardcore box is like, ah, I mean, this is, why is Floyd doing this? You're stooping mm. down to the level, um, this, that, and the third. But then on the other side, this is bringing more attention to the quote-unquote sport. You know, this mm. is, you know, you're getting new fans. Now, I didn't really think of it. You did say the casual fans, the casual fans that think, okay, Jake Paul or Logan Paul is on the same level as a Floyd Mayweather. Or, you know, the, watching Nate Robinson fight Jake Paul is real boxing. So I, I understand that. I, I feel that. I feel that. A question that, that I did just remember that I do want to ask you. How do you feel about Pacquiao fighting? Was it Spence? How do you Listen, feel about man, that? Let me tell you. Manny Pacquiao. I respect his legacy, right? I, I respect everything Pacquiao has done. I respect every, you know, all the belts he's won. He's won a lot of fights. But at 42 years old, in the Lord's year of 2021, he's bitten off way more than he can chew. Let me tell you something. Pacquiao hasn't fought. By the time this fight happens in August, it would have been two years and one month since the last time he fought. And that was when he fought Keith Thurman. Only reason he won that fight is because it was an early knockdown. And after that, he kind of coasted and got tired. But Keith Thurman was coming back when it was too late. Pacquiao was too old for this, man. He's too old for this. And... He's fighting for belts. This is another thing. This is my problem with boxing. Y'all letting a 42-year-old Manny Pacquiao get in a ring with Errol Spence, who has two belts. If Pacquiao wins, he's not going to defend them, bro. He's going to hold the belts hostage, just like he held his last belt hostage. And they made him drop it because of inactivity. Bro, go run your country. Go. <laughs> go to the Philippines. Go run your... It's over for you. So I hope and I pray that Spence don't get in there and play around. No, go knock him out. Go put him out of his misery because it's over for him. He bit off more than he can chew right now. And I hope that Spence doesn't go in there and try to buy. No, go knock him out, bro. Go knock him out. It's over for Pacquiao. You're 42 years old. Go home. Please go home. Yeah, I was shocked when I because I remember hearing about Spence and Crawford. And all of a sudden, 
when I see Spence again, he's fighting Manny. I'm like, oh, I don't. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I nothing against Manny, but if that's what you want to do, hey. Right. All right. Yeah, I, don't, okay. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But but again, I'm here with Eric Lines, the host of the Electrified Podcast, and we're gonna kind of switch gears. First and foremost, I have to ask, you're from Baltimore. Yeah. Why are you a Packers fan? All right. So when I was younger, all right, because I'm 22, mm-hmm. I was younger. The Ravens were not that good, right? You know, this is the Kyle Bowler era. You know, the best thing Baltimore had was Ray Lewis, yeah. right? So my grandma, she bought me a Brett Favre bobblehead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Madden always played with the Packers. So as a kid, of course, I'm a Ravens fan, but I like the Packers. So I guess, though, as I got older, when Aaron came mm-hmm. and, you know, took over, that's when I really became a Packers fan because, you know, I was, I was a dual threat fan. But I was like, yo, I have to pick one. So I picked the Packers. I say Packers fan. I love the Packers. People think I'm from Wisconsin. I have cheese heads. Um, obviously, I got my boy on my yeah, wall. I got um, a bunch of Packers jerseys. Uh, yeah, my, I, I love the Packers. I love the Packers. So with, with, with your love for the Packers, that means you are the person and the perfect person to ask about the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. Now... I think we can't talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation without discussing what happened at the end of Brett Favre's mm-hmm. run. Um, we know that Green Bay, first and foremost, doesn't have what an owner. We also nope. we also know that the end, Green Bay has a tendency of trying to get off a quarterback maybe before they have to. Mm-hmm. The only problem is at the end of Brett Favre's career, he wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Mm-mm. So how do you feel about everything that's going on with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? I think when you compare, I'm glad you brought that up. When you compare the situations, Brett Favre was at the end of his rope. Mm-hmm. It was over for Brett Favre. You know, it was it was coming towards an end. He already hinted at retiring. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers has been adamant and saying, yo, I want to play until I'm in my 40s. I'm not ready to go yet. Yeah, I may be on the back nine, but I still got some left in me. Mm-hmm. So it has never been we need to get away from him because he's about to retire. No, he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Um, I mean, you go back to the Jordan Love draft pick, which I was very confused about, very upset about. You traded up for a quarterback. But I... At the position you were at, by the way. Exactly. I strongly believe that, you know, coming off that NFC title game loss against the 49ers, they thought that at Aaron's age, he had plateaued. Mm -hmm. I think they were... He was, they thought he was content with maybe, you know, a little bit under 30 touchdowns and five interceptions. Like, that was it for him. Yeah. So, for him to come out and throw down near 50 touchdowns and win an MVP, that threw a wrench into whatever plans they had. Yeah. I, I really think that they thought it was almost time for him to go. But, bro, it's not. It's not. Um, I'm never one to ride for management. Never. I'm always on the player's side, whatever the situation is. Yeah. And it's, we all know that the majority of Rogers' career, he's been failed by the system. Mm-hmm. He's been failed by Mike McCarthy. Um, even deeper than that, defensive coordinators, because Mike Pettin just lost the NFC Championship game two years in a row. Yeah. Um, it's always been management fault, bro. They, they, they just piss him off constantly, and it feels like they just don't care about him. Yeah, man. Uh, Colin Cowherd uh, says something that resonated with me today he said if you look at green bay Mm -hmm. first of all green bay has an mvp or reigning mvp 
But if you came out today, and of course, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but if you came today and said Vontae Adams gets hurt out for the season, Green Bay's chances of winning a Super Bowl just goes out the window. But if you look at Patrick Mahomes, if Tyreek Hill goes out, you still have Travis Kelsey. You still have uh, those pieces. If 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 Chris Godwin goes out, you still have those pieces. It's like I agree with you in saying the the management has done a disservice, and I think that at some point it's either you just don't know or you just don't care. Mm-hmm. Like the, a report came out saying that. Julio Jones, we know we know what's going on with Julio. He narrowed his decision to the Patriots and uh, the Tennessee Titans. And I think reports came out saying that Green Bay didn't even give him a call. Mm-hmm. Do you think that? Do you think that this is beyond repair, as in Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay? And I and I and I, before you answer, I believe so. I'm going to give my opinion. I believe so because I just don't think they know. <sighs> They don't know how to get out their own way as far as Gunta Kuntz, as far as the, the, the management. They just don't know how to get out their own way. And it's like, yeah, I understand you have Dem- Devontae Adams, who's a top five receiver last year. And you, of course, you have Aaron. Well, you had Aaron, but it's like, that's not going to get it done. You look at the Brett Favre era, and Brett Favre could have had more championships than he had. It's just you didn't really help. I mean, of course, you had Donald Driver and everything, but you didn't really help Aaron Rodgers, there's no reason why Aaron Rodgers is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks as far as talent-wise, and he only has one Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I bring it back to you. Do you feel that this, the relationship between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is unrepairable at this point? I mean, you know, Tay has went down before, and the Packers have been able to stay afloat. And that's because Rodgers, man, obviously, I mean, but they do have other receivers on their roster, MVS, Alan Lazard, who I love. Guys can make plays, and they show it up and show out. But it starts with Aaron Jones in the backfield. That's really the key to our offense. And I was surprised that he stayed, honestly. I thought he was gone. I thought Aaron Jones was gone. I I thought he was going to Miami, to be honest. But you look at – we always say Rodgers should have more rings, and that's just a fact. Look at the championship losses he's had. you got the Seahawks game where special teams and defense just folded, right? Um, you can go back 2014 against the Cardinals after he throws a Hail Mary. Mike McCarthy decides to tie it up instead of go for two. Yeah, I'll go to my grave saying we, we should have went for two and put them away in regulation. Um, and then, you know, two straight NFC championship losses this past year. And, and honestly, they could have beat the Bucs. Brady played terrible. Yeah, Brady played awful. But you know why Brady won that game? Because Brady had a defense he could rely on. Mm-hmm. Brady had running backs he could rely on. Everything that's that's the quarterback. That's why he's the goat. I don't consider him a goat talent wise. He has the rings, but rings are a team accomplishment. I will always say that rings are a team accomplishment. That's why guys like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers only have one. Mm-hmm. Because Tom Brady, you call him sis Tom all you want. It's not his fault that the organizations build around him yeah. and do whatever they need. They went out and got Antonio Brown. Leonard Fournette, Gronk, they made him comfortable. And in one season, he went to the NFC and won a goddamn Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Rodgers has been trying to do this again since 2010. Yeah. They don't build around him. They don't do what's convenient for him. They do what's convenient for the organization. Mm-hmm. And that's always the difference. You're supposed to cater to your star player, not to what y'all think is right. Mm-hmm. So you look at the, them not drafting a receiver. 
or, or them not going out and getting big big free agents or making trades for like somebody like Will Fuller. Yeah. Rogers and Matt LaFleur wanted him. Wanted him. Yeah. And y'all didn't trade for him. What the hell are y'all like? What y'all not like this man? Yeah. Y'all not want to win. Like, yeah, I just don't know. I don't understand. And like you said, I don't know if it's repairable. I don't. I personally don't. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a positive guy. You know, he 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 is a positive guy. But even watching him in interviews, you can tell he's beyond ticked off. Yeah. And like you said, it's not the staff. It's not even the Jordan Love pick. It's probably the idea of the Jordan Love pick. It's like, yo, y'all thought. It was time for me to roll out. Okay, watch this. I'm gonna go win an MVP. Now what? Now yeah. what you gonna do with me? Yeah. So yeah, I think that Goot Rogers, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And what the hell? Get rid of him. That's the problem here. Get him out of here. But yeah, man, I don't know. And then it's just like they don't build enough, like at all, man. They don't they don't build around him. It's mm. it's bad. It's bad for business. So in your heart of hearts, week one. Who do you, where do you think Aaron Rodgers will be playing? Well, I don't think they're going to trade him. He'll probably just be at home. Yeah. If, it, if, if he really doesn't want to play for this team anymore, he'll be at home because they're not trading him. You got to be out your damn mind to trade Aaron Rodgers. I don't even think anybody would be crazy enough to do that. But look, man, I hope it don't come down to that. I really don't. But I, I, I don't know, man. I, I see him retiring before he gets traded. That, that I can see. Again, I have Eric Lyons here, the host of the Electric uh, Electrified Podcast. Before I let you go, I know I didn't, I didn't say I was going to ask you, but we're here. The season starts, you know, of course we have the, the, the Patrick Mahomes and, and Chiefs and Aaron, Aaron, uh, Tom Brady's and, mm-hmm. and the Bucks. Take those aside, put those aside. Who is your, what does your dark horse Super Bowl look like? Super Bowl. While you say it, I'll give mine. All right. Dark Horse Super Bowl. I'll say the Ravens because mm-hmm. I feel like if they get if they get a now I know your 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 gripe against Ravens fans that was that was well documented. <laughs> but uh, I'll say Ravens in the AFC because I feel, of course, Rashad Bateman was a was a really good pick in the in the draft, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel if they get Julio, oh yeah, it's. They do need to figure out now. At that point, if they get Julio, it's on Lamar. As far as Lamar needs to develop the, you know, his his passing ability. Not saying he can't pass, but he'll finally have a true number one, and I think that will definitely help. So in the AFC, I'll say the, um, I'll say the the Ravens in the AFC in the NFC. I'm gonna have to go with the Rams. All these moves that they made, and a lot of a lot of people were saying that the only thing that was holding the Rams back was Jared Goff. And a lot of people are still skeptical of Matthew Stafford. The problem is y'all ain't watched Matthew Stafford. Oh, too. yeah, and you, talk, you, you, know, you, you know who you're talking to. Exactly. He can sling it. Matthew, it's always yeah. been the Lions are just trash. Ain't nothing wrong with Matthew Stafford. Yeah. You give him a line, yeah. So yeah. along with, with Matthew Stafford, along with the, the offensive line, along with the defense, and seeing as though – Seattle just cannot, for the life of me, cannot address their offensive line to save their mm-hmm. life. Uh, of course, you get the 49ers, and, and a lot of Nick Bosa comes back, but we don't know what's mm-hmm. going to go on with Jimmy G and Trey Lance. I think that, and of course, going on with Aaron Rodgers and, and what's going on with Green Bay, those are pretty much the, 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 the marquee places. Now, 
And I think defensively, the Rams can go toe-to-toe with the Bucks. So I I would say my dark horse Super Bowl would be the Ravens and the Rams. All right. So if Rodgers is there, obviously, I think the Packers can make a run. Mm -hmm. But if he's not, I think I agree with the Rams. I think they're a great team. And, you know, all they got to do is stay healthy. Their offense just has to stay healthy. You want to keep Cooper Cup and Robert Woods on the field at the same time at all times because they play well off each other. Um, my problem, see, the reason I don't want to put them there is they really don't know. They can't run the ball. They need a running back, right? So I'm not picking that. Um, <laughs> I don't know who – let me think about the NFC. Shoot, man, the, that 49ers, if they can get it together, that defense is still there, you yeah. know? You know, so then maybe the 49ers can get there. But from the AFC – Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers? Pittsburgh, that's not, I won't get a lot of heat for this, but look, they were a running back away from damn near undefeated season. The mm. reason they fell off is because they, they weren't healthy, and they couldn't run the ball when it got cold outside. Big Ben too old to be throwing the ball 60 times a game. That arm is burning. Yeah. They drafted a, a stud, okay? Yeah. If if that defense can hold and play like they was last year, man, the Steelers might do it. I'm telling you. Wow, that, I didn't see that coming. So give me Steelers and Rams in the Super Bowl. I did not see that coming. I didn't see that coming. That was, that was it. Tell me, but I, I would like to see, you know, you mentioned Julio. I wish Buffalo would trade for him. Man, look, I look. Tell me. I think people don't really understand the how important a number one receiver is for mm-hmm. a younger quarterback. Because mm-hmm. um, we see how Josh Allen just went crazy after he got Stephon Diggs. Yep. And if you get Stephon Diggs on one side and then Julio on the next, at, at that point, I don't it's see curtains. You don't even need a running back. Yeah, at all. Curtains. Like, it's wow. Well, hold on. And I don't know why the hell Ravens fans want Julio. Let me tell you something. Julio don't want to come to Baltimore. He don't want to come here and run the pacer test for four quarters while Nick Boyle will get 250 yards receiving and Lamar and J.K. Dobbins are combining for 450 on the ground. Y'all think Julio going to come here and catch a ball? Hell no. Y'all know Ravens don't like tall wide receivers. Everybody on the Ravens is either my height or they 5'9". You know, nobody want to play in Baltimore. That's all I got. Sorry. All right, well, at the, end, at the end of that, and this is where we'll end, where do you think Julio ends up? Um, yo, he don't have a no trade clause. Oh, that's why I don't understand. These players can want out all they want, but that don't mean they're gonna get traded. I don't think he's going nowhere. He can want out all he want. He but he won't have to sit down until they contract up. If that's the case, because ain't no way unless somebody throwing like three first rounders at um the Falcons. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't see it happening like that. But we'll see. Cause June first after June first is when I think we'll see more of, you know, this starting to heat up once, you know, the, the league year, you know, resets and everything is on the tape. Yeah. I would, but, you know, realistically, I think he's going to go to a team with a young quarterback, I think, because they're not going to send him in the NFC. So I'm looking at AFC, maybe the Chargers, mm. maybe get him out there with Justin Herbert and Keenan, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, that's dangerous. Yeah. And they can run the ball. So that's dangerous right there. I think the Chargers is the best place for him to go. And there you have it, man. I want to appreciate, again, I thank you, thank you, thank you, Eric, for coming on the podcast. It definitely was fun chopping up with you. I appreciate all you guys listening. I appreciate all you guys watching. 
please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It would definitely mean a lot. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers by my birthday, which is in July. Subscribe to Eric's uh, Eric Lyons podcast, his YouTube channel, his anchor, his Apple Apple music. I, I'm definitely going to link all the description down low. Again, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate Eric for coming on. And until next time, man, much love. Yeah. All you self-promoters are janky. We established like the Yankees. This whole fucking game thankless. We moving militant, but somehow you the one tanking. No limit to why I could take it. And you know me as a Chris Bottle sender. Check pick up a. I thought we looked out for one another. Saw us all as brothers in a struggle, too blessed to be humble. I guess it's different in the city I come from. All of a sudden, I got people showing how much they truly resent me. They hold a meaning to spells envy, they trying to tempt me. The higher I get, the less they accept me. Even had the OGs try and press me. Ha 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 ha. No way out, cause I'm already in it. I'm not attending when I do a show and get a ticket. Good business can clean millions, I got division. I've been had it since no scrubs and no pigeons. Even back when I wasn't as poppin'. When they told me take a RB nigga on the road, and I told him no and drew for Kendrick and Rocky. I tried to make the right choices with the world watching. Mike never tried to rap like Pac. Pac never tried to sing like Mike. Those my dad's words to me when I asked him how to make it in life. And I always said my mother gave the greatest advice. Yeah, look at me now, they look at me like the golden child. Can't nobody hold me down. Especially not right now. Certain shit is just too wild to reconcile. Take that, take that, no love in their heart, so they fake that. DiCaprio level, the way they play that. Damn nigga, what is that? Y'all don't hear no songs, they hit my phone like you did that. They even hit my line like where you been at. It's always on some shit like when can I get a favor? Where my bitch at? Like I'm about to tell you where she been at. Costa Correas, I got a kidnap. She ain't sorry and I ain't sorry. It's too late for sorry. Green, white, and red on my body, cause I'm dipped in Ferrari. All she wanna do is get high and listen to party. She complain, I tell the driver to drop at Barney's. My summer diet is just rose and calamari. Look, now you got me started. I'm the black sheep, rest in peace to Chris Farley. I got a lot to lose, cause in every situation, I'm the bigger artist, always gotta play it smarter. Y'all shook up, I'm here on the cook up. Cameras pointing every time I look up. Swag I got a duck behind Chubb's shoulder just to hit the cush up. Sponsorship dollars are sky high. He be like Drake, will you please stop smoking la la? Chubb's why I try, I'm a thug, I'm a die high. Got the rose pink tinted lenses, it's a Wednesday. Architects taking dimensions, they redoing the entrance. Yeah, redoing the entrance, kinda like when you niggas drop on some again and again shit. And you still never quite get it. Meantime, Drizzy over there trying to make it, make it dance to this. Yeah, I make it dance to this. I roll big body, wide body, Calabasas, Rwanda, sun shining, wax tires. See Chris Jenner, I beat twice and I wave. The rest of you boys, I blow kicks right in your face. Pistol by my bed, I'm asleep, but I'm awake. For that one night when niggas try reach inside my safe. Don't push me, cause I'm way too uneasy nowadays. These guys move so greasy nowadays. I tell you my life and y'all don't believe me when I say it. Say my stories for down the line. I'm too ahead of the curve every time. Just total the hits and see what you find. You SWV cause you weak and I'm always, always on your mind. Yeah. And we can't stop. Make you dance to this. Uh. I'ma make you one dance to this. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Bye, breathe, bye, boy.